0: Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, happy Sunday, everyone. It is Sunday evening. It's a great day of NFL action. I'm here with my co host, The Ultimate Warrior. There's Joe Pesci, there's Steven Seagal, there's MC Hammer, and that's me in 6th grade. And we want to talk about football today, all kinds of things. We're going to talk about who is on our podium, we do it each and every Sunday night. Who lost the day, who is the um, future murder victim in the basement of Buffalo Bill rubbing lotion on its skin. Either way, the lowest, uh, just most pathetic team right now. I hate to start out with such a negative, but I think you know who it is. I'm not going to spoil it, that's coming later in the show. And we give out our Sunday awards. You want to go right to the podium? I think we should. I really do. I think we should. Because this is an exciting one. In a little pre-meeting here with the Kyle Brands staff. Raise some eyebrows with some of the selections. Fresh blood here. It's not just like it was the first six weeks of the season. Uh, Eagles, Giants, Jets, Bills, blah, blah, blah. we got fresh blood on the podium. A lot of teams we could have put there. Let me just shout out a couple teams who were amazing today. The 49ers. McCaffrey put on a show. Did an incredible thing. This awesome hat trick with catching, throwing, and running. Uh, the Eagles, obviously all kinds of teams that were really good. I, honestly, there's tons of them. Where the hell did they go? Um, but the ones we have in third place, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for this. I'm not going to take it away. Um, the Washington Commanders! Yeah! The Washington Commanders! Welcome to the podium! And you're thinking, what? They suck! No they don't! They're 4-4. Four and four. They've won three games in a row. There's not a ton of three game winning streaks in the NFL right now. They're 4-4, four and four, guys. They just went into Indianapolis and won and they got a thing going. They got this Taylor Heineke thing going and it's kind of fun to watch. In fact it's really fun to watch. Ta- Taylor Heineke has this time-honored intangible it that is very entertaining as a spectator and very uh, I don't know in a way relatable in a sense like not crazy talented, not crazy big, not crazy fast, but throw all the words that you want at them. Gamer, gunslinger, baller. My take on Taylor Heineke is I get um, strong vibes like he is like a second cousin of Ryan Fitzpatrick. In fact if I were to make a from the hip prediction about what happens with Taylor Heineke's career that he becomes the sequel to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he is on many different teams for many different years and he keeps getting signed and he's always likable and he always comes in and plays well and lights it up. Look, he keeps doing this, he's not gonna play on many different teams, he's gonna play for the Commanders. And then we're just looking at Carson Wentz, injures his fingers, sits out. Let's be honest, this Commanders season was so terrible. I don't even like saying Commanders. I don't like, I'm not there yet with the Commanders. It just seems so lame to me still. that I'm talking about as a team name. But they hit rock bottom where good old Riverboat Round came out and said we need to have better quarterback play. It was a huge media story. Then they cling on and beat the Bears on a Thursday night. And Wentz hurts his finger. He's gone. And now Heineke just comes in and chucks. He just chucks. And I just really really like it. Fitzpatrick vibes and he's like in the, if you're talking about gamers and gunslingers and all that Taylor Heineke is like Kirkland brand Brett Favre. Maybe even lower, maybe even dollar store Brett Favre. But I'll take that. It's the Commanders. It's Washington. He'll take it. Welcome to the podium. They play, let me make sure I have this right. Yeah, they play Minnesota next. Minnesota obviously could have been on the podium. They won again. They win Pretty much every week, except for when the Eagles destroyed them. Commanders Vikings in Washington. 1 o'clock window next week. That's a big game. Washington wins that one, 5-4 and four, cruising. NFC East is really good. They really are. But we must move on. Second on the podium. They're back. All right. A little heat. A little heat in the AFC East not coming from the Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins won again. That's what they do when they have Tua out there. They don't lose. When Tua starts a game and finishes a the game, they're undefeated. Tua went out and went for 382, three touchdowns, no picks, and he's got this great Waddle-Tyreek thing cooking, cooking. They they both went off today. They combined for 20 catches, 20 catches for 294 yards, two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had 188, massive day. It works with them. You know, we we could could just harvest all the takes from the offseason, when the Tua and when the Tyreek thing happened, and all the jokes about Tua's arm strength, and then that video that came out in practice, we appeared to throw a wobbler at Tyreek. It's not going to work. That our styles aren't right. It works great. It does. And he doesn't throw these ridiculous in stride down the sidelines, sixty-six air yard passes. But he gets it to his guy, even if it's an underthrow. There was a huge underthrow today, and Tyreek came back and made the play. It's great. They win. All right. the The Miami Dolphins look good. They look strong. And so their season is really in two parts, really three parts. Because they're starting in a new part now. And they beat, the, they beat the Lions today. No trophy for that. But I do give them a trophy for this. Start out, and they were the story of September. They come out 3-0. They beat Buffalo. Granted, under like, a lot of heavy conditions and weather and injuries and all that, fine. Who cares? They beat Buffalo. And they're just taking off. The story of September. Mike McDaniel, Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill. The disaster with Tua and the second week in the road, disaster, and he hits the ground. I was in London at the time when they played Cincinnati, and it was just the, the fingers up. It was just like the worst thing you've seen. So that's phase two. Now we're doing the Bridgewater thing. We can't really get our act together. We're losing. But they've recovered from that, and he's back, and he plays well, and now they're in phase three. They do not lose when he's out there. They will. They haven't yet, then. They haven't yet. I, I like Miami. I know there's a lot of Buffalo Bills fans watching, and you've got a lot to say about that loss. and You'll have a chance to make up for it, but... Even if you don't like Miami, you can't stand them, they're your rival, you have to respect it. at this point they're coming and, and they win games and they got a brand new coach and a brand new deal and they're off and running. But guess who's first on the podium? Can't lose. It's the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys who I've talked about for years that I can't stand discussing on air when there's no reason for it. When it's an off season, it's just say whatever, you just talk, roll the ball out there and talk Cowboys. I, I don't believe in that at all. At all. In fact, I can't stand it. But I'll tell you, I believe in talking about the Cowboys when they're 6-2, 4-1 at home, and when they put up 49 points on this Bears team that everyone was starting to think, wait, could this be a cool thing? Justin Fields does look like he might be a cool thing, but they had no defense today. They did nothing. The Bears are crazy because they have this one of their best wins in a few years. They really did. That win at Foxborough, all this goodwill. The world was watching. Everyone's excited about the Bears. And 20 seconds after they won that game, they trade one of their best players. Robert There's you're out of here. This, this, I'm not going to get into the Bears front office, but their GM Ryan Paul has a, a spine and he is a serial killer in terms of his demeanor. Does not care. Totally emotionless, has a job to do, and I respect it. That probably played a big part in them laying out 49 points to Dallas Cowboys, but enough about the Bears. If you think the Cowboys he is on now, 6-2, and 4-1 and one at home, and then Jerry starts chirping... Jerry was chirping about he is not gonna be afraid to trade draft picks. I had the quote in front of me, I, I lost it. He's not gonna be afraid to, ha- to trade draft picks. We're, the, we're almost up to the deadline now. Deadline's November 1st. Guys, as I'm res- we're speaking right now, it is October 30th. I means tomorrow's Halloween, which means we got a couple days. And I you think like Jerry wins this game, puts up 49 points, and starts seeing all these glorious things, the Super Bowl banners. After the game, he has a couple like really, really, really expensive whiskeys where it's like $200 a glass easily, and you start saying, what if we got so-and-so? What if we did this? What if we did that? Let's make some moves. Keep your eye on him. He's chirping, and he's happy, and the Dallas Cowboys... Bills go Sunday night. Eagles fans, I hear you. I understand you. We've been on the podium many times. You were the only undefeated team in the league, and you just cruised again today against Pittsburgh, and you look great, and A.J. Brown got a hilarious taunting penalty in which he scored against two DBs and then stood there and... Pointed at him and pointed at him. Zero subtlety. Not even trying to, to uh, make it uh, subtle or hide it from the officials. Just straight up went for it. Pointed at, I just beat you and I just beat you. Flag. But that was only the second um, most reactive penalty that happened in the end zone today. We'll get to that in a little bit. That's our podium. It's a pretty cool podium, I think. Commanders, Dolphins, Cowboys. Again, honorable mention a lot of teams. Eagles, Vikings, Broncos. I thought about it. I really did. I was pleased the Broncos got that win. I was pleased for Russell Wilson. They needed that bad. Can you imagine after the high knees at thirty-two thousand feet, if they had lost to Jacksonville, like 31 to 10? Just stay there. Don't fly back to Denver, just stay. But they won. Uh, the Niners and McCaffrey, the McCaffrey, should, they, they probably should've been on the podium. Christian McCaffrey probably should've found his way on the podium. It's the only thing he didn't do today. But that's it. Unfortunately, we have to go to who lost the day. And can you, can you hear it? That is just, that's the air just seeping out of that giant New York Jets green bubble. That was rough. They lose to the Patriots again. All anyone wants to talk about the whole day and the whole week is how many times in a row they've lost to the Patriots. Robert Sala himself brought it up to the team earlier in the season, the divisional games, and how many they'd lost of those in a row. And now they haven't beaten the Patriots in over six years. And they just lost again today. And I... I listen... I hate to point out what I keep saying, but I to think it's right. I asked last week, and I've asked several weeks on this show, is Zach Wilson good? The answer is no, he's not. He might be good in the future, but he's not good now. He's not, not nearly good enough. Not, not in a division that's got Allen, not in a division that's got Tua doing his thing. Um, he was not good. He threw a couple, I think he, I think he threw the honorable Carson Wentz worst interception of the year award remember last year when Carson Wentz threw one like with his left hand in his own end zone it was intercepted and run in one of the ones that Wilson threw today and he did not throw just one uh was just like Devin McCourty had two picks and it was like he was waiting here he could have fair caught it I think there were four guys standing there when Wilson threw it so the decision making is terrible and they were in the game they really were like the defense came to play And they knocked around Mac Jones a few times. It was one of those games where you hate it because it really looked like Zach Wilson lost the game for them. That they had a good enough team, they had good enough coaches, they had good enough players, and their quarterback wasn't good enough. So it's not that he's not spectacular. It's not just that. It's that maybe he is going to be decent. What if he's just going to be a decent quarterback for several years and then the Jets move on with him? That's not good enough. There's there's killers out there right now in the AFC. What is the goal for the New York Jets in the next four or five years? Obviously, if the next four or five years they want to get to a Super Bowl, they want to get to an AFC title game. In order to do that, you're going to have to beat Mahomes. You're going to have to beat Allen. Who knows? Herbert, Lamar. These guys like these guys, are killers. They're killers. I don't even conclude Herbert in that group yet, but he is certainly from a talent perspective. How, Zach Wilson going to beat one of those guys? If you don't have someone who's going to beat those guys, then what are you doing? And... Uh, it's early still, but we knew this was a big Zach Wilson game. With the Brees Hall injury, with the Patriots in town, MetLife, super exciting atmosphere. It, the, the most excitement there's been about the Jets in literally years. People got there super early. I'm talking to Jets fans. We're going. We're setting up. This is gonna, the, the place was loud. It was a great moment for New York Jets football, and they lose to the Patriots. And it's not just that they lost. It's that Zach Wilson did not look good. And so you leave the stadium thinking... Damn, the Patriots got us again, and also, how are we ever going to get anyone? Wilson doesn't look like he has it. It's unfair, maybe, you say, Well, wow, he's such a young kid, he's only in his second year. I don't care. That's the way it is now. I don't need to hear that it's only your second year. If it's your second year, it's a year too late already. These rookies come out throwing sometimes. Look at them. You know, Mac Jones was in the playoffs as a rookie. He won, I think, seven games in a row last year as a rookie. That's the way it is. There's no warm-up, so deflating deflating day for the New York Jets and you know that you see these shots in the pregame and CBS and Robert Sala's running the stairs. By the way, you know we did that whole thing last week on the show about head coach with the lowest body fat percentage and I still contend that Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Sala saw all that and contacted someone I know and spoke for himself that he's 230 pounds with like 9% body fat. I don't have the numbers right, but he has numbers. Like he gets it measured. Now, if you want to say that's a little d I don't know. I, he looks incredible. And he's running those stadium stairs. But then, you know, the Patriots just run all over the Jets as usual. Jets, you lost the day. You're not only are you not on the podium of all the teams that are out there that played, including one that it plays its home games in Nevada, which I'm going to talk about later, But they're down in Buffalo Bill's basement. They're not even, they're beneath losing the day. The Jets are still alive. I don't think the other teams alive, but the Jets, you did lose the day. Let's give out some awards though. What do you say? Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash Basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We always start with we always start with this one, the Karen Hill. Why did you do that, coaching decision of the week? Why did you do that? Why? What a Why I'm did you do that, Karen? That is a coked out of his gourd Henry Hill who's been making meatballs, uh, selling guns, and driving his brother to the hospital all day, screaming at his wife, "Why did you do that?" We don't really have one today. Did we miss one? Tweet the show. Was did, did you say, how do you miss this? That was the worst coaching decision ever. Maybe we can just say it was the Lions and Dan Campbell's mutual decision a couple years back to be in business together. Was that it? It's just not working. It sucks because it would be a really fun thing. And he's a great character and a great football man and really passionate. But they just, they cannot win a football game. They were up. They were beating the Dolphins. They looked good. DeAndre Swift looked good. Goff was doing his thing, and then every single week you watch the the Lions game, and it seemed, with the exception of the week that they were shut out, there, it seems like oh man they're off to a good start and my fantasy numbers are coming through and this is great and or I'm going against someone who has a line in their fantasy team and they're let me up and but then at the end of the day like at the end of that one o'clock window at four o'clock they always lose. It, it's it's they could be up 27 to nothing. I, I promise they'll lose, and it's like that real essence of coach speak which is just. We gotta learn how to win a game. They do, they have no idea how to win because they have enough players to put up enough points. I know their defense sucks, but one of these weeks you think you would outscore somebody, right? Like you you get to win a game 41 to 38, they never do. (laughs) It sucks. So the coaching decision might have been there to see the idea to be in business together because it's just not working. And it it breaks my heart because I like the Dan man, but it's not happening. Take a lap, all right, this is a big one. The, the uh, take a lap of the week, I gotta go to D.J. Moore, Carolina Panthers wide receiver, made what should have been one of the more memorable better plays of the entire 2022 NFL season. Made an incredible, what should have been, a game-winning play for the Carolina Panthers. D.J. Moore catches a long, 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 long touchdown from P.J. Walker, who makes the incredible throw. I read it was the longest touchdown in terms of how far it traveled in the air in years, like two or three years or something. Siciliano tweeted it. Just an awesome throw, awesome catch. It ties the game. And in celebrating, DJ Moore goes nuts and like he was, you know, had a lot of emotional baggage, I'm sure, and it's been a rough season for Carolina, and he just starts screaming, and he pulls his helmet off and starts screaming with his helmet off. Flag. Can't do that. It's been a rule for a long time. Takes it off. That means they move the extra point 15 yards back and Eddie Pinheiro, aka Eddie Dinero, misses it. Misses the extra point. Yeah, that's simply because it moved 15 yards back because of the penalty. So now it's tied, they go to overtime, Pinheiro misses another kick in overtime, and they lose. So the idea here is that if DJ Moore just keeps his helmet on, the Panthers A, win the game, and we, you and me, my friends, get this incredible treat of every single team in the NFC South being at 3-5. and Nice and neat and crappy, but fun. And it's like, oh my god, could the Panthers win this thing? They've won two in a row. What if the end of the Tom Brady regime, what if the end of the Tom Brady era was the PJ Walker, Steve Wilk, Carolina Panthers winning the NFC South? That's pretty tasty. I don't think it's going to happen now. And it might be because DJ Moore took his helmet off. I don't, I, I'm not on his side on this. I really am not. I know that there's a take about, why do you penalize this? He's not harming anyone. He's not putting anyone at risk. Why can you do 50 different dances and TikTok things but you can't just remove your helmet and scream? First of all, it's been a rule for a long time. Everybody knows it. It's not a new thing. It's, it's, it's been around. It's been flagged before. If you want to go down a wormhole, look at former Cleveland Browns linebacker Dwayne Rudd throwing his helmet on the middle of the field while a Chiefs offensive lineman is running down the ball with it. Cost the Browns the game. It, it was infamous. It's a great rewatch. But also, um, dude, go nuts. You can celebrate. You scream, throw the ball, kick the ball in the stands, kiss a baby, kiss your wife, do 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 the worm, do the Macarena, do the waddle, do the grit, don't do the gritty, do anything. Just leave your helmet on. You you won't get flagged. And what is the? I remember when this rule started. I wish I had the year, but I don't. I, it's many years ago. Not that close. And there became a time where it became the fad in the NFL. It was and it was starting to spike, where guys were score and they just took their helmet off. Imagine like it was the gritty of the time. You took your helmet off and you would scream, and everyone would see your face and your face would be on camera, and it just was kind of a. Tasteless look guys were doing it every time and it was the sentiment of like it's about me and look at my face and Look how awesome I am and it wasn't going over well It was the kind of thing where then the college kids started doing it and I don't know just bad imaging bad messaging bad optics The league instituted a rule keep your helmet on don't do it while on the field of play don't take it off It is not new. It is not vague. It is not uh, subjective you just don't do it D.C. Moore knows that and he did it and he flagged them. so I can't get there and sympathizing with him. It was just, I, I think he made a bad decision and, and listen, the kicker makes the kick, no one cares that he took his helmet off. It's a great story for a really nice guy and a good player and go Panthers at three and five, but I i am team rule on this one. I, the rule, the, the origins of the rule I think are sound and obviously the execution of it or the calling of it, you can't really mess it up, it's objective. You take it off, you flag him. I read a piece in MMQB, I think it is, a guy I really respect Connor Orr, a writer who I read all the time, and he went the other way. And he said, silly rule, why are we doing this? He was having a great moment and just let him celebrate. I agree, but just do keep your helmet on. You, you have to take your helmet off to celebrate? What, what is that? Just leave it on. So, I'm not there. And I in fact, not only do I double down and say it should have been flagged, I also have to say take a lap. That's what we do here on Sunday night, DJ Moore, take a lap. Um, there it is, 1997. The NFL introduced the Emmett Smith rule prohibiting players from taking off their helmets on the field. Alright, so that is when I was in high school. And I remember it because people started doing it in high school. Because they would do it, it was—it's known as the Emmett Smith rule because the running back used to do it. Emmett used to take it off after every touchdown, and it became—you know—Emmett was a huge deal at the time. But he would score and take it off, and it was always like, "Look at my face!" And like, it was just lame. its its, it's not the whole bigger message of what you're supposed to do. So this goes back to 1997. That's—I'm going to do the math here. That's 25 years. The 25-year-old rule, and you don't see it called much because players don't take off their helmets when they score. They know. Anyway, we'll get into that. I don't need to get into the rule books that deep, but DJ Moore, amazing catch. Man, I wish he would have done anything else than take his helmet off. Let's go to the Phil Luckett call of the day. This was awesome. Just awesome. So Pete Carroll, in all his gleeful, youthful, oldest coach in the league exuberance, is about to win, and he comes out on the too far onto the sideline, and the referee's running down the sideline, and he bumps into Pete Carroll like hard. And Pete Kirk gets flagged, because it's this obstruction of the referee, whatever, and Pete kind of laughs, and God, he is, he's, he's like a 12-year-old out there. It's its nuts. So that's one thing, that's one call. But then did you hear our guy, Jerome Boger, the probably the most famous referee currently in the NFL. I don't know about you, if I was at a coffee shop and I saw him there, I'd be like, oh dude, that's Jerome Boger. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say, isn't that guy an NFL referee? No, I know his name, it's Jerome Boger. He's like, he's more famous than some of the players. He gets up there and he says, uh, personal foul on the sideline, head coach of the Seattle Mariners obstructing the official. What? The Mariners? Who got in your way, Jerome? Lou Pinella? Wait, how did that happen? I've never heard that before. That would be something that the replacement refs would do years ago when we had replacement ref season and they were like, get on the mics and they'd be like, uh, uh, and they were like so nervous. Jerome Boger said the Mariners. Now, if he was really cool and wanted a reaction from the crowd, he would have said the Supersonics. And then we could have all made our George Call remarks and talked about Sean Kemp and Benoit Benjamin and all people like that. But he went with the Seattle Mariners. I, what was he thinking? He's like, did he? the Mariners aren't playing right now, obviously. Mariners haven't been playing for a long time. Did he like drive past the park on the way to the stadium? And was he just getting nostalgic about Edgar Martinez and like Jay Buhner, <laughs> like what? what? I, it's, it's so amusing to me that he said Mariners as he's surrounded by you know 80,000 loud football fans and 106 football players. And all he does is officiate football. Why would you say the baseball team's name? What was going on in the synapses in Jerome Boger's brain when he was about to call, he called Pete Carroll the head coach of the Mariners. Very funny to me. What's the Seattle WNBA team? The Sky? Isn't that what they are? I don't know who their coach is, but he could have shouted out her too. Uh, it's great. I, it, it gives us a lot of license to go down the old memory lane of Seattle Mariners past. A-Rod, Randy Johnson, Edgar Martinez. So many great ones. Ichiro. Um, WNBA team is in fact, this. oh, the Seattle Storm, naturally. It's the Chicago Sky, I think. I'm not sure, but it's the Seattle Storm. Sue Bird, right? That's like one of the goats. Um, but anyway, Phil Luckett, it'll probably be on a lot of shows. It'll be on, come on, man. It'll be like Adam Schefter screaming, next we go to Seattle and Jerome Pogger. Wait, what are you saying? The Seattle Mariners. It, that's, you know, they always have to scream through that segment. Uh, it, it's great. It, very amusing to me on a Sunday night that he said the Mariners. Next, the River Craycraft fantasy thief of the day. Last week, this went to, uh, wait, hold on. Last week, this went to Peyton Hendershot of the Dallas Cowboys, which, again, it sounds like a made-up name. He won it for like being like the guy who's like, oh, come on, no one's starting Fe- Peyton Hendershot. Throw it to Dalton Schultz. I got him on my team. Well, guess what? Another Cowboys tight end wins the River Craycraft Fantasy Thief Award this week. Jake Ferguson, Cowboys tight end. Another guy who had a had a touchdown. You know what you think? You think you got Dalton Schultz, or you got one of these Cowboys players? And let's say you didn't see the game, and let's say you've just been busy, you've been carving pumpkins and any of that type of stuff, and you just see that fat, juicy number 49 next to the Cowboys in the box score. You're like, oh yeah, 49. I bet one of my guys got at least one. Hopefully, if I see 49 points and I have a fantasy player starting in a Cowboy skill position, I'm hoping two is the bottom level that I get, two touchdowns. And then you tune in and you're like jake bleepin ferguson that sounds like a fake name that is that jake ferguson is sounds like the most boring name in the sense that peyton hendershot sounds like the most made-up exciting name jake ferguson's a real player yeah fourth round pick 2022 wisconsin guy all you big 10 people are like how do you not know jake ferguson did you know he has the school record for most consecutive games at wisconsin with a reception and he's like related to barry alvarez or something well good for him and take nothing away from him but he joins the river craycraft all-stars of guys who show up catching a touchdown when we're trying to win our weeks in fantasy. Good job, buddy. Next, the RIP, my dog, Tony Stark. Player tweet of the day, the Eagles. This is why we're taking the Eagles for granted. It is now however many minutes into this, and I've not really spent any time in the Eagles at all, even though they're undefeated. Uh, You know the first mention we're going to make of them? Well, I guess they talked about AJ Brown in his funny celebration. 7-0, Lane Johnson tweets about the 7-0 with a picture of himself dressed as Jason Kelsey for Halloween. That 7-0 feeling, he's got a cup of coffee, not sure why, and, oh, I guess he's got his morning coffee there in the picture, and then he's got an eagle. What I, what I, the problem I have with this is I, do that many people know that that's supposed to be Jason Kelsey? (laughs) Like, I know he has, like, the bad, it looks like, I'm going to guess that wig that he has on when you go to the Spirit Halloween store pop-up store. It's like a like an Austin Powers wig, maybe? It certainly looks nothing like Jason Kelsey's hair at all. And then I guess Jason Kelsey wears that T-shirt and has the jeans and the flip-flops, so I like anybody dressing up as one of their coworkers and showing up, kind of reminds me, you know. I don't know if you've ever heard The Office, I don't know if that gets on social media at all, but when Jim comes to work dressed up as Dwight, it's a good effort, I just wish that like he could have walked in side by side with Kelsey wearing that same outfit. I, I, I'm sure Eagles fans get it, but around the country, I don't even think people would see that and know who he's dressed up as. So I love you, Lane, you're the man. Uh, but that was our player tweet of the day, not the strongest, we'll have a better one next week. Uh, line of the day! We always draw from our friends Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, with some of their witty dialogue from back in the day. In this case, it comes from the film The Running Man, in which, um, well... How can I put this succinctly? Mad Dog Ben Richards, the falsely imprisoned, gets a chance to compete on a game show for his freedom. In one of the stages of that competition, he comes up against a gladiator named Buzzsaw, who has a motorcycle and a chainsaw. Uh, In the struggle with Buzzsaw, Richards uh, is able to turn his own chainsaw up against him, and literally saw up into his groin, and cut the man in half as one would a turkey or a chicken from his loin area. I mean it's a wildly, wildly violent death with a chainsaw right up the middle. Just cuts him right in half. So it's not enough to do that in those movies. As I've told you, you have to run off and have a line about it. So after he cuts Buzzsaw in half, Mary Conch- Maria Conchita Alonso wants to know what happened to Buzzsaw. And Arnold just churns out gold. What happened to Buzzsaw? Uh, he had to split. Did you catch that? I'm gonna hit blade again. See if you can get the play on words here after he sawed a man in half. What happened to Baza? Uh, He had to split. He had to split because the saw went entirely through his body, starting with his groin and going all the way up to his neck. You should have seen it. It was incredible. I cut him in half. There was blood everywhere. He had to split. That's just gold. That's how you do it. The what happened to Buzz saw? he had to split line of the week goes to Patrick Peterson. You see this? Of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he had a great day against his former team. Long, long time Arizona Cardinal, as you know. And then, so what looked like a video game celebration, sat down doing the video games, and um, Tom Pellicero, my colleague, said, I asked Patrick Peterson what game he was pretending to play with his video game celebration. Quote, I think it's called Call of Duty, question mark. I'm not much of a gamer. Heard it just came out. (laughs) Wow. Uh, He also went into a yoga pose on that celebration. (laughs) He also went from the video gaming to the yoga pose. And uh, when asked about that, he said, I did? Oh, hey, Patrick, what's the message to Kyler Murray? Patrick, just keep getting better, and then a huge smile, and block out the noise. The noise that you're currently providing, my friend. That's great, because there was a lot of jokes about Call of Duty had just come out, and people now keep statistics for Kyler Murray about, on the weeks that new Call of Duty games come out, what is his record? I don't know if you heard this, there's some concern in the offseason about his concentration and his focus but one did come out, and he did lose. Um, so if you subscribe to that, it was a big day for you, Patrick Peterson. Peterson also coming up with takes. You, you know, what's cool about a guy like Patrick Peterson is, is you know he's kind of on the way out. It's great, he's on a great team mount, he's still a good player and everything, but he's clearly on the back nine, so he gives less of a bleep, and this is clearly one of those days because this is a big homecoming for him. I don't know how many people had the Patrick Peterson returning to Arizona vendetta game uh, circled, but he w- he had some words about his old team being the Cardinals and Cardinals fans after the game. Let's hear it. I've been told a lot of things about me with the other organization. Get fan mails from the owner saying that I can't tackle. I'm old, I lost it. So I wanted to show them that. Somebody was leaving emails Mm -hmm. while you couldn't tackle on your chair in the locker room. And they they said, they went to the fact to say, as long as I was on the team, they wasn't going to be a season ticket holder anymore. I think his name was, his name was John H. Barry, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Any message for John H. Barry today? <laughs> you see me. You see me. <laughs> How about Pelicero? Any message for John H. Barry today? Just doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> How do you think John H. Barry's text messages are coming in tonight? He should have been on the podium. John H. Barry. Yes random Arizona Cardinals fan John H. Barry if he has season tickets for the Cardinals I'm just gonna guess he's probably got some cool house with a really cool pool and he lives in Scottsdale and he has a wife uh, named Tammy and uh, she gets a French manicure and um, John H. Barry Tammy Barry is her name and John H. Barry drives like uh, a white Denali and um, He's in commercial real estate, and does really well, and likes the Cardinals games, and takes it very seriously. Did he say that the owner would leave messages for him? Like, I, I, we have to get to the bottom of that story. Is Patrick Peterson saying that Michael Bidwill, the owner of the Cardinals, would print out emails and put them in his locker? I, I, that, that was a hell of a soundbite. And the fact that he went, yes, I think he is saying that. So maybe Mr. Bidwell would do that just to motivate him, like, look, here's what they're saying about you. I would think it would be a constructive purpose of it. Or maybe the fact that he knew that <laughs> the fact that he knew the guys he didn't just say it was some fan named John. Not only did he say John Barry, he stuck his middle initial just for all you people out there. John Barry is is a very is a very you know a very popular name. So I want to make sure it's H, which you know, Harold or Henry, or whatever. For all of you who are gonna go looking for him online, John H Barry. John, I hope you saw that and. Um, Say hi to Tammy. I hope you got a nice family. I bet Tammy wears a lot of turquoise jewelry. God bless her. Let's go uh, to the, oh, this is the Steve Latimer Place at the Table team. Starting defense! Place at the table! Um... We're debating changing this to the Titans team that no one cares about. Or, we're also debating it changing to, you have to talk Titans or Falcons, pick one. The origin with the place at the table team was supposed to be, oh, a team that shows up and arrives and like, oh, they're kind of cool now, they're grownups, they can drink at the grownups table at Thanksgiving. Well, it's just become either talking about the Titans or the Falcons every day, and I have a feeling that if I were to look to the minute-by-minute metrics of our viewers and listeners and all of you guys, the second I talk Titans or Falcons, you're out. Which just, of course, makes me want to talk Titans or Falcons more. The Falcons won today. Pretty cool. The Titans won today. How about this? Like, I've always said this about the Titans and they know and I have a good relationship with them. They just have a weird brand, where no matter what they do, it kind of seems tepid and tame. They crushed today. They had a 200-yard rusher. They put on a show. Malik Willis was starting! Who cares if he was good or not? It's a rookie quarterback running around there. It's fun. And like, yeah, it's the Titans. Didn't even think about putting him on the podium. Why? It's not fair. And I am the one who sticks up for the Titans. Because I know I don't think you want to hear him. And I think you want to hear about the Falcons less. The Falcons are 4-4. and They're right there. They're in first place in the NFC South. You you gotta be ready. We may be watching a Falcons game at that stadium, a playoff game in January. Are you ready for that? For the Arthur Smith Falcons? And I know it's been talked about a million times, but I still can't stop looking at Arthur Smith on the sideline and be like, Oh my God, his parents are founders of FedEx. Whatever the hell it is. He has the FedEx money. Like, that's him. You, like that's not my dad owns 12 car dealerships and I grew up wealthy. That's like- that's not even like my dad runs uh, Chipotle. He started Chipotle, he's the founder of Chipotle. He's the f- FedEx. Like that is- that is a big dog! That- that-, that that's one of the biggest. I just look at him and I'm like, god he has all that FedEx money and he's sitting there coaching Marcus Mariota, that poor bastard. No, he just loves football. I am- you respect it. That's always, it doesn't even only, not only does it not hurt Arthur Smith and his reputation, it helps him because the washout of him and the FedEx thing always is for me is like, and he still does this? He wanted to be the Titans offensive coordinator? He wants to run an offense with Marcus Mariota in Atlanta? Like just this, ugh. And he does. And I respect it. Um, And they're the place at the table team. The Falcons. We have to decide what we want to do in this. This is what, I think that we're going to change it. I think that you have to talk Titans or Falcons. So maybe we'll flip a coin. Talk Titans, talk Falcons. And you guys will like it. Those teams matter. They're good. What, how about your Atlanta-Tennessee Super Bowl? The Arthur Smith Super Bowl. That'd be great. Next, um, we had to get to this. I waited as long as I could, but let's get to the Katherine Martin lotion on its skin team. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. The Raiders didn't score any points today. The Raiders suck. They're 2-5. and We thought we had a sign of life last week. We thought we had a sign of life in their last win. And they just have nothing. You can't get shut out in the NFL. You can't. The offensive players are too talented. The offenses themselves are too sophisticated. The kickers are too good. You can't score zero points in a game. They weren't exactly going up against the 78 Steelers either. The 2022 Saints are a lot of things, but a defensive stalwart is, is not one of them. It <laughs> has not been pretty for them. They shut them out. And you think, oh, well, yeah, Devonte must have had a high ankle sprain in the first quarter. Nope. No, he was out there. Hunter Renfro was out there. Derek Carr was out there. Josh Jacobs was out there. Darren Waller wasn't out there. He, he's been injured on and off a lot this year. Everyone was keeps waiting for him to be the next Antonio Gates, and it doesn't quite happen. He scored zero points. And. I like this new tradition, have you seen this, where Al Davis, or excuse me, Mark Davis, might as well be Al. When they lose, this is the second time at least this has happened, there's this thing where uh, Josh McDaniels has to go to his office, the owner's office, his boss's office, before he meets with the media. I want to know how that meeting comes to be. In other words, like he has to go and sit down and have a talk with the owner and then go and meet the media. So. You lose, you go to two and five, you get shut out by a middling Saints team that, by the way, their head coach is a former Raiders head coach, not great. And you're walking off the field. At some point, does someone go up to him and be like, Coach, Mr. Davis needs to see you in his office? Ah, damn it. Ah. Or is it like when they're in the locker room at some point? How is he notified? It kind of has the, the same sensibility of like when you watch Hard Knocks, when someone comes up and says, Hey, you know, coach needs to see you. Bring your playbook. Damn, I bet he hates getting that notification. It wasn't. It was in New Orleans today, so it's not actually Mark Davis's office. Although he might have an office in New Orleans. Who knows? The owners all have crazy stuff. And just to sit down, what is the talk? What do you? The better question, when Mark Davis sits down and says, Josh, what the hell was that? We suck. We're two and five. You didn't score any points. I got you, Devonte Adams. But I got Hunter Renfro. We have Josh Jacobs. We have a veteran quarterback who we keep trying and trying. What the hell is going on with you? What would you even say? What is his response to his boss, other than just to say, it's it's on me and you know I'll get better and I I, I, this, I won't stand for this. That's, that's fine, but great. That was the last time we had this meeting. We're supposed to be winning the West this year, dude. We're supposed to take a run at Mahomes. How are we gonna go run at Mahomes and the Chiefs? We can't even keep up with the Andy Dalton Saints. What? What the hell was that? 24 to nothing. They were down 17 to nothing at the half. And then the Saints just rolled over and scored one more touchdown in the second half and just chilled. 24 to squat. Two and five. And it's like you start to look at it. Let me see right here. So the Raiders, let's say they got Jacksonville next, Indianapolis, Denver. All right, so maybe they can win, but do you have any faith they're gonna win those games? I don't. And you start to think like, what? Was Devontae the right move? He's a great player, and I know Derek Carr, Christ, they're bros and all that, but was the right move at this time for their football, after a really good season last year, to be like, you know what we need? A really expensive wide receiver, whose best football might be just about behind him. He's a little old. Not exactly like a 25-year-old coming off his first contract. Is is, that the best move for them? They brought in Chandler Jones, who I, I don't feel has done much at all. I don't know, it's just like, that's a strange choice. They're in the basement, they're rubbing the skin on its, on its, on its, they're rubbing the, they're rubbing the skin, they're rubbing the lotion on its skin like it's told. It got Precious and all, it's terrible. The Raiders, shut out, not, I mean, look, if you get shut out by the Bills, you get shut out by the Eagles, oh, whatever, I mean, it still shouldn't happen. The Saints? Does anyone think this Saints team has been anything special, especially defensively? It's terrible. Let's predict the future, though. Shall we? Come with me on a beautiful date, a table for two, at the Monday Take Buffet. Uh, a lot of takes on the Jets tomorrow. They're gonna get they're gonna get destroyed. It's gonna be heavy, heavy Zach Wilson fire. Heavy, and who knows what kind of kerosene could be dumped on that if his mom starts talking. The New York papers. I wonder what the the headline will be tomorrow about Zach Wilson. I'm trying to think of like wordplay about Zach and Wilson, and uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll workshop it. There'll be something. They'll go to the draft folder and they'll have it. Um, so that 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 that's gonna get hammered. And now since they're there, listen, here's my policy on talking about whether teams are going to go undefeated or if they're going to go winless, Uh, it, it starts at 10. I, I really don't want to entertain the conversation let you get 10-0 and 0 or 0-10, and, and then we can really start doing what you do, which is pull up the schedule. So no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Eagles are Thursday at the Texans, then the Commanders, Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants. I'm not going to start doing that and saying, you never know, they could do it. Believe me, if you know my feelings on the 72 Dolphins, no one in this world wants the Eagles to go undefeated more than I do. And if it means they win the whole Super Bowl, great. We can stop hearing from those old codgers telling you how great they were in celebrating other people's losses. I would love that. But we will entertain that at 10-0. I will not entertain it now. Um, I would say there would be Vikings takes, but there are no Vikings takes. No one wants to talk Minnesota. They want to do their funny Kirk Cousins memes, and that's it. They don't want to actually talk about this team. And a lot of that is because just that Eagles game still reverberates. When you, it, That's the power of the national game. It's the power. You get hammered on national TV, that can last the rest of the season. Doesn't matter if it's week two, week one, whatever. It's just when a lot of people see you. I look at it like the Bears last week. Bears beat up the Patriots on national TV, and all of a sudden, people felt the Bears were a thing. I don't think the Bears were ever going to be a thing this year. But since they had a big one national TV, everybody goes for it. That thing with the Vikings and just getting beat up so badly by the Eagles, it still sticks to them. People don't like talking about them. The Vikings are not a popular topic, but they're just a really good team. The Broncos' playoff run began Sunday. Man, I would love if somebody had that take, but they won't. I don't think a lot of people saw that game. It's early in the morning. It was Broncos-Jaguars. It was kind of an ugly game. The Broncos, we've had a lot of Broncos takes last week, and most of them are about plain conduct. I don't know about that. The McCaffrey thing, the Niners are an interesting topic. No Debo today, and they still destroyed the Rams, and it was Christian McCaffrey pornography. Just, it was, it was you've never, it was, the absolute essence of what you could ever imagine he could be at his highest, most powerful talents. They they unleashed it. Shanahan did this amazing job. The pass to McCaffrey threw was great. You know, lot, sometimes those halfback passes are kinda of crappy. It's a great pass. I read it was only his second pass in the NFL and he's two for two with like two touchdowns. It was this high sailing, beautiful spiral over the defender and, and enough over from the, the safety. It was just like a really good throw. I was impressed. Great catch in the end zone too. A lot of McCaffrey takes. Can the Niners turn the corner? What does this mean for Trey Lance? Niners takes would be fun. Um, and in the meantime, the, the Raven, or the Rams kind of suck. And there'll be McVay takes about, is it kind of falling apart? And have everything, have everything come home to roost with them and all the bleep them picks? We'll see about that. And then, listen, obviously, Bill's Packers is going on right now. If the Packers lose by 20, 30, who knows? Packers are dead and buried. Is this the end of Rodgers? Is he going to walk away? If by some miracle the Packers beat the Bills, which I don't think is going to happen, well, there'll be Bills takes, but I don't think that's going to happen. Remember that. Hopefully they don't. Uh, Geno Smith, league MVP. Geno's good. I was watching him today. He threw these two passes to Lockett. Lockett dropped one of them really badly and felt so embarrassed. And he came back to Lockett again and just caught it. And I'm everyone's talking about Lockett and all oh, this veteran. You hate to see it. I'm like, never mind Lockett. How good is Geno? He's just so good. And I, I, I won't get into it now. I brought up last week, if Gino had been drafted by a different team at a different time, would his career have been like a superstar? Because he was just such a disaster with the Jets for so long, and then he went away for so long. He looks so good. The Seahawks are good. They're also, the Mariners are good, apparently, because they mentioned him in the call. Guys, that's it. That's the celebration of a Sunday night football. That's it. Um, don't move. Stay right there. I have a new a co-host that I'm going to have join us tomorrow. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Yeah. Big Ben Wallace is going to be my personal free throw shooting coach. Look, I'm going to take this thing out. It's got a little outline. I'm going to put him over there by the, uh, by the basket. So we'll have Ultimate Warrior, all the friends up in here. We'll have Ben Wallace. This will be really big in Detroit. Detroit, you guys don't know how to win a football game, but, man, did this guy know how to make a rebound. Couldn't make a free throw, but then again, neither can I. That's what we do here in the basement. We will see you soon, guys. Monday show and then Josh Allen on Tuesday. Love you. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye.